Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, certainly the issue of family separation has been a big topic of conversation south of the border uh, in dealing with those coming across the border. But we've got a situation here in terms of how we're dealing with uh, refugee claimants and whether or not our policy is leading to family separation. We got a story today from Global News uh, looking at a, a situation involving a 40-year-old woman, 3-year-old son, and 11-year-old daughter. They were claiming uh, asylum. They were feared about being sent back to Sierra Leone. Uh, in the case of the 11-year-old daughter, those fears were found to be valid, and she was granted refugee status. The mother, the 3-year-old son, however, were denied. Joining us to talk a bit more about this story. Very pleased to welcome to the program Brian Hill. He's a reporter, associate producer with Global News, globalnews.ca. You can read this story today. Brian, thanks for joining us here. Hi, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, and you had a similar story uh, just a couple of months ago about uh, a 14-year-old from Afghanistan. And on, on the question of, of reuniting families or keeping families together, why is it then that, that we don't recognize parents and siblings of child refugees as, as family members? Yeah, it's a good question. So we've now profiled a couple families uh, that are in this uh, type of situation. And essentially, the reason why Canada doesn't uh, consider the parents and siblings of child refugees as quote-unquote family members uh, is that the government says uh, when dealing with children, they need to be very careful in terms of protecting those uh, kids from exploitation, particularly kids that are traveling uh, unaccompanied or, or kids that are crossing international borders for the purposes of making asylum claims. Uh, what we've seen, though, on, you know, in investigating this story is that, in fact, while the government is saying that's their justification for the policy, uh, they don't actually have any evidence or statistical research or anything like that to back up these assertions. Right. And, and I mean, I guess we got to look at, at each situation on its own merits and even among members of, of a family. There may be different circumstances regarding each individual, but we're talking about a parent and her, her two t- children. So if the 11 year old were allowed to stay and, and she did stay and her, her mother was sent back, what would happen with the 11 year old? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, and that's one of the you know key points here is that in cases where uh, a child comes here with their family and that family is denied but the child is accepted, they then go through this very separate process uh, where the family tries to remain here with that kid, uh, and that's what this family in particular is going through now. But if that application is denied, uh, that 11-year-old in this case has no family members left in Canada. So what would happen in that case is the child would be placed into some form of care, either foster care or some kind of child protective services, because there really is nobody else to care for her. Perhaps there could be somebody in the community, uh, but even that's obviously not ideal when she has a mother uh, that would really very much obviously like to be here with her daughter. 
tell us a bit more about the circumstances of this this particular family because this involves the, the very disturbing practice of female genital mutilation and what apparently is for this 11 year old girl a very real fear of that mm-hmm yeah, and, and so, and I think that's one of the important points is that this girl has been in fact deemed a refugee in need of protection because of these fears. So it's, it is very legitimate fear that she has if returned to Sierra Leone, her home country, uh, that she would be subjected to female genital mutilation. Um, you know, this is a pact practice that countries around the world have condemned, including Canada. And, uh, you know, something that I don't think anyone could possibly imagine uh, a loved one having to go through. Uh, so the mother in this case, uh, Georgita, or uh, the names, we've altered the names, uh, if you do read the story, uh, to make sure that we're protecting the family, but uh, the mother herself has experience with this. So her, her elder sister died as a result of uh, genital mutilation, and so she's obviously very horrified uh, of the prospect of her daughter going through this, and, you know, she's happy that They've been, that her daughter's been granted protection here in Canada, uh, but is obviously very concerned about the specter of possibly being separated from her. Well, no kidding. So I, I guess it comes down to this, this very narrow kind of interpretation of the situation because they, they, they've determined that the 11-year-old has some very real fears about what might happen to her, but then essentially they're saying that for the mother, for the three-year-old son, those fears don't exist, therefore they're, they're not eligible as, as refugees mm-hmm. here. Yeah, and, and it's really interesting because in the process of, you know, telling this particular family's story, uh, we actually ended up speaking with the United Nations uh, Refugee Agency and uh, talked to them about what sort of the best practices are, or at least what their practices are. And so, interestingly, the, the UNHCR, when they process refugee applications, which they do in cases all around the world, and Canada has resettled many refugees that were processed by the UNHCR, uh, they... When they consider the family as a unit. So if, uh, if one family member, a child, let's say, is uh, deemed to be in need of refugee protection, is in fact a refugee, they extend what's called derivative status to the entire family, essentially granting the entire family protection because uh, there's this underlying assumption in international law, they say, that uh, essentially if one member of a family is in need of protection and is at risk, then all members of that family are in need of protection and at risk. And this is something that the government of Canada, uh, at least when it comes to child refugees, isn't adhering to. When it comes to adult refugees, however, uh, Canada does do that. And they allow children, uh, sorry, they allow adults to add parents uh, and, uh, uh, sorry, to add uh, uh, spouses or common law partners or their dependent children to permanent residency applications. Uh, but then they don't allow children to do that same thing. Yeah, it's it seems very strange. What are the families saying? I mean, this sounds like a horrible dilemma now for the mother to either abandon the child and, and leave her in Canada or to bring her back to Sierra Leone, which, is, as everybody seems to agree, and entails a great deal of danger. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the mother in this particular case, and we profiled another family that was in a very, very similar situation, again, uh, with a very young daughter facing the threat of uh, genital mutilation. They're hopeful that their humanitarian applications to remain in Canada will be approved. Uh, that being said, uh, they, their lawyers and advocates that are, uh, are familiar with this policy, don't think they should have to have gone through this uh, separate process at all, really. What they're asking for is that the government 
extend the same rights that are granted to adult refugees to child refugees and recognize that uh, reunifying family, which the government admittedly says is a pillar of our immigration system and recognizes that it's important. These families are saying, we want the government to recognize the importance and the right of families to children and, and to simply overturn this policy. Yeah, it's quite a story. More details, uh, globalnews.ca. Brian, thanks for joining us here today. appreciate this. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. That's uh, Brian Hill, reporter and associate producer with Global News, uh, with the story of this family. It comes on the heels of his story from June, uh, about 14-year-old from Afghanistan, uh, who's been facing death threats from the Taliban, but is unable to reunite with his family because of this Immigration Canada policy. Uh, that the parents of child refugees are not then considered family members under the legislation, which just seems utterly bizarre. If we were talking about an adult refugee, then, then clearly their children would be seen as, as family members. So if we're going to accept that these children are refugees, I, to me it just seems logical then that that would include their parents. And, and these seem like the kind of, of legitimate and pressing asylum and refugee claims uh, that ought to get priority. And I, again, I think there's a, that legitimate concern as it relates back to, to the border crossing situation, uh, that we're overloading the system and that we're processing claims that are, in a lot of cases really lack any sort of merit. And what kind of a backlog is that creating for, for claims that, that definitely do have merit? Uh, so this particular case about this family from Sierra Leone goes back to May of 2017 uh, when these claims were denied. They had been in Canada for seven months at that point. Georgietta Palmer, 40 years old, her three-year-old son, Samuel, and 11-year-old daughter, Tenna. Of the three, Tenna's claim was the only one that was accepted. The argument that she would be subjected to female genital mutilation should return to Sierra Leone was, was found to have merit. Her claim was accepted. Good. We shouldn't send an 11-year-old girl back to face something horrific like that. So why are we denying her, her parents, her mother, and her three-year-old brother? What is the family to do here? Does it make sense that, that we would just leave this 11-year-old child abandoned in Canada? You know, put her into the foster system, separate her from her mother and, and her brother, or you know, force them to go back to Sierra Leone so that they can stay as a family unit? It seems like a, a very harsh approach to, to dealing with such things. And it's an impossible dilemma now for this mother to have to face. If we believe that there's merit to the claim that this child should not be sent back to Sierra Leone, then the mom and the brother come with her. I mean, it just seems like a package deal to me, and I'm entirely okay with that. In terms of a basis for an asylum claim, this one seems pretty solid. So why punish the girl in another way? By, by subjecting her to something else that, that's awful. Obviously not the same kind of situation, but forcing her to, to abandon her mother and her, her son. That's, that's traumatic in its own way. So let's not inflict that on this child. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.